ain't gonna give up Got too little time, I'ma live up Head down, push forward through the tough times Cause anything worth doing is a tough climb Hey there demons, it's us you girls. Welcome to the Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins. Two goblins on the internet that have many thoughts, interests, opinions about stuff and things. Today... There is no time like the present, and if you've been around us long enough in this corner of the internet, you know your goblin moms are spooky bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween is a lifestyle, and what better way to celebrate the upcoming fall season than dip in your toe, your gnarled, gristly toe, (laughs) into the waters of Your witch's hoof, if you may. Yes. Yeah, your absolute hooves who need a Brillo pad. (laughs) Get it together. So today- I I don't even know where we're going with this. (laughs) Dee and I compiled a list of some of our favorite spooky spots, and we're going to talk a little bit of background, and- I guess what better way than to dive right in? So in no particular order, D, why don't you start us off on your list? Oh, joy. I <laughs> Okay. So the the first spooky house that immediately jumped to mind when we started making these lists was the Sally House, uh-huh. which is located in Atchison, Kansas, which is Rumored to be the most haunted town in Kansas with various locations to visit. Mm-hmm. But the Sally House is one of the most famous, one of the most notorious, and it's haunted by folklore says a young girl who went to the house and it used to be a hospital, a surgery room. That's where the local doctor lived way back when. And so she was there, she was brought there, she was super, super sick. And so it's thought by historians that she had appendicitis and she died on the table while they were trying to then remove her appendix. Mm -hmm. And so some of the stories and some of the things that happen at the Sally house are things are uh, moved. And so like there's a nursery in the house that people like to live live leave gifts uh children's toys would you toys really want to live there to no but to appease the spirit of sally i guess mm-hmm. and those toys are often seen moving or having been moved and they're found in different locations people also get touched so they report a lot of scratches and bruises and cold spots all of your like stereotypical haunting stuff right mhm But it's just, like, I I don't want to say a fun story, but it's one that, you know, you tend to hold a little close to your heart because it's, like, that's where – I'm not from Atchison, but just from Kansas in general. Like, look, we have spooky stories, too. (laughs) Yeah, the almost hometown haunt kind of thing. Yes. I agree. Why is it that more often than not, it's always some child spirit – that you can't be too sure if it is indeed a child mm. because yeah we've watched different shows of paranormal investigators 
exploring the Sally house and that past inhabitants of the home, these paranormal researchers, they said that there's something always off, especially if it's an inhuman spirit, aka a demon. So, you know, either like the feet are hooves or, you know, like very on the nose kind of things, but that there's always something a little bit off. And the spirit of Sally is on the precipice of that. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. just kind of like you often hear about the Victorian ghost. Why is it that the Civil War (laughs) ghost, the Victorian ghost, why is it no one that's like the ultimate, I don't know, millennial Gen Z, Gen Xer (laughs) of a ghost? Right. It always has to be the spirit from like the 1800s. And I don't know when the story takes place for the Sally house. Uh I just know it's, it's one of those things where everyone has known that there's something going on in that house forever. Yes. But yeah, where are the the millennial ghosts? You know, it's probably because we have finished business. Like, we have no reason to come back after we're dying. Like, no, we're good. We're out. It's... <laughs> you know what? I was actually talking with a colleague about this. Like, I never want to reincarnate. Like, if that's a thing... I I will fight tooth and nail in the <laughs> underworld or wherever I end up. <laughs> like, you can't take me back. <laughs> Not in the other hellhole of the right? living. I'm happy just here. Yeah, I just want a vibe. Like, ma'am, this is purgatory. I don't care. I'm staying. <laughs> See if I give two shits. <laughs> yeah, the HR of purgatory, they're like, no, you gotta go, ma'am. Or, you know what else? Always haunted brothel bordello. Yeah. Like, if it's a hospital, prison, asylum, I get it. Because that's where a lot of bad things can happen. But, like, a brothel bordello? Yeah, at that point, I mean, some seriously horrible shit could happen, though, to yeah, the people who are working there. Because people are monsters, unfortunately. Yeah, they don't see sex workers as people. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you? What about your first on the list? Yeah, so these aren't in any particular order, but I guess I'm going to start off rather locally as well. <laughs> so one of my other jobs is working at a museum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a museum, there's a lot of items, there's a lot of history. On the f- first floor, we have a lot of local history, as it were. So, mm-hmm. about the immigrants of the area who were basically, like, indentured, ser- like, servants. It was almost like a feudal colony at some point because they were being taken from overseas here to just, you know, work for no money. And mm-hmm. they couldn't do anything about it, not knowing the language, not having any money, things like that. So, it was really quite awful situation. But we have a lot of local donations from families over the years, as well as a lot of art and more home-based domestic items. Yeah. Along with traditional costumes or outfits and so forth. And then on the second floor is our more, like, the secular and non-secular piece. So upstairs is more the church-based piece, the faith-based piece. And part of it is, like, a hefty donation from the diocese, the local diocese. So we have a lot of of those medals that you pray to and the 
I don't want to say it's like a candelabra, but the different like votive candle holders, like where you um, light a candle in intention of someone, pews, confessionals, full garb that priests wear, you know, for different Dang. occasions, even their day-to-day clothing, priests' bags when they were doing last rites and a lot of last rite items, essentially, mm-hmm. and visitation of the sick. Oh, I can't even get you started on the library that we have because it's for catechisms and missalettes and, you know, beautiful ornate Bibles and, you know, all the tools you would need for like the Eucharist and making uh, the little Mm -hmm. wafers and things like that. If Jesus was a cracker, that's where he was made. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Okay. I I say that all in good fun, you know, not in any blasphemous way intended, but, um, It's just a lot of that kind of energy, like huge rosaries the size of you and I made out of walnuts and naturally carved wood, hand carved. So it's really, yeah, beautiful collection. And there's so much of it and a lot of just sculptures that you would find in churches as well. So if if you're a person of the faith, if you name it, we've got it. The tools of the trade (laughs) for this life and the hereafter. And allegedly so i guess we'll start from the first floor and work our way upstairs so Mm -hmm. on the first floor we have the desk of the local bishop there was an attempt made on his life where he was shot by another priest i believe and he survived but we obtained his desk as a donation and every morning items are rearranged on the desk oh wow and slightly shifted over yeah so Every day, you just don't know how it's going to appear. And then moving upstairs, particularly an active area, which makes sense to me. I mean, when especially those who are very strong in their faith and their faith life and faith tradition, when they pray, you know, you pray in times of a great exaltation when you're very happy and rejoicing something, but also in very somber and sad moments, such as when someone passes, when someone is ill when you're looking for strength to go through a situation that you may be in, you know, of, of different sorts. So it's no wonder that so many of these objects, whether it's a small little rosary or a prayer medallion, all the way up to a sculpture or a pew or even a confessional can have so much energy in it, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because of the intentions that one directs toward a given object. Mm. I suppose is the best way to put it. And I remember when I first started working at the museum, I was unpacking a lot of the donations. And one thing that I had noticed that in the room where we have most of our pews and most of the confessional kind of collection, it looks almost like a mini chapel. Mm -hmm. But it isn't because legally we're not allowed to do that anyway that... um, (laughs) It appears as a church or where you can actually hold a ceremony because it's not a, like a Nash, uh, a recognized religious institution. So we have to be careful about how we arrange those items. And yeah, we have like baptismal fonts and everything like that and water fonts. But in that room, there's these two rugs. One of them looks like, what's that thing? Like you wipe your feet on it before going inside. Like a door Like a mat? welcome mat? Yeah. Yeah. And... So one rug the size of a doormat and one that's a little bit larger than that. And they would be often pushed up 
so far in the doorway that they were almost like climbing the ban- like the border of the doorway. Oh wow. And yeah, every time you'd go up there, the r- rugs were just like scrunched up and pushed up like that to the side. And allegedly you could and my boss has said this sitting on the first floor that upstairs you hear like heavy footsteps, but it sounds like someone's pacing in circles. Mm. And another colleague of mine had said that it's almost like someone's circling in prayer in like this weird kind of, I don't know, like in a trance. Yeah. That they just go in a circle around the whole space because there's multiple doorways and you can walk in a circle from the time you get up the stairs. It kind of loops around like this, mm-hmm. but you can also go straight forward, which also has doorways leading to the library section where we have all our holy texts and in the other half where we have the pews water fonts and then straight ahead is the like the get up and garb of priests essentially and Mm. um tools for making you know the eucharist wafer and yeah so when i started unpacking these things the rotations as it were (laughs) slowed down for a while and for a while didn't even happen and they recently started acting up again oh okay so sometimes doorknobs shake Mm. also for closed doors there's like rattling and shaking um and rustling about like someone's moving the spirits are not malicious they're just very curious Mm -hmm. so you often feel like you're being watched but it's not in a bad way okay but that often you're surrounded by, like, more than one person. Yeah. It's a really weird feeling. Like, I would spend hours up there by myself, and I would feel like I had company at all times. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah. And, again, nothing nothing bad, but it's just, like, oh, bambalance. Um, <clears throat> But, yeah, I don't know. Just, like... It's it's very active. It's very much alive still. Okay. See, that really reminds me of another one that I put on my list. Uh-huh. So we've we've confirmed I'm from Kansas and I went to K-State, one mm-hmm. of the main colleges there. And so K-State is a very old college, like built in 1863. 63 or 62, but it's a very old college. And yeah. a lot of the buildings that are still standing are protected by his- like historical protections. Mm-hmm. And so one of the places on campus is the World War I Memorial Stadium. And it's an old football stadium where they used to play games. And nowadays it's still used more for just like activities clubs it's we have a different stadium totally um Mm -hmm. but in the stadium they have renovated part of it to hold the purple mask theater and the purple mask theater has a a friendly not friendly ghost it very much depends on who's telling the story so the theater exists if if you've ever been to a football stadium Underneath the bleachers, there's these large tunnels. And typically Mm -hmm. that's where 
locker rooms are. That's where, you know, concession stands might be. So that space has been completely renovated to be two stories, the bottom being a hallway that leads to the theater itself and then the theater. And then upstairs Mm -hmm. above the theater were the offices to run said theater. And Mm -hmm. I, my freshman year, I was in an intro to theater class and we were performing at the Purple Mask. And I was told, like we were talking about it when we were walking over about the local ghost. And I remember asking, going, what are, what do you mean the local ghost? Like, what are you talking about? And they told me that no one goes upstairs anymore because the hallway and those rooms give off just very dark vibes. Ew. And anytime people are down in the purple mask theater itself, oftentimes when it's rehearsal or or practice, people are told don't go in there alone. Especially women. Yes. (laughs) They but like yeah, go ahead. So they're they're often told and mostly it's out of superstition, but just it's not super safe to go down there alone. Because it's super dark, there's a lot of equipment, and if mm-hmm. you can you can kind of get lost in those hallways because they're just very long and it's very back rooms, like they just don't end. Ew. And I caught a glimpse of the hallway upstairs, and it's literally just this very long straight shot with doors off to the sides, and you can hear footsteps walking up and down that hallway. Almost any night that you're out there. (laughs) Is it like the echo that carries footsteps as you're walking? Or is it like some phantom footsteps echoing? It's when no one is moving, there are footsteps upstairs. And no one goes upstairs anymore. No, ma'am. No, yeah. And they'll hear doors opening and closing upstairs. They'll hear thudding, like things moving as if someone is moving furniture. And then downstairs in the theater itself, on stage, footsteps are often heard. So some of the guys or girls who are ever doing the lighting, the sound, people that stay late to make Mm -hmm. sure everything's working for the night before, (laughs) they've heard footsteps on stage. Like, they've caught footsteps on stage when no one's down there. Like, they're looking at the stage. No one's there. And Yo. people have been touched, people have been breathed on, and it's just a very – most of the time people say it's harmless activity, but there's absolutely someone there. And rumor has it that it's an old football player who was also a World War I veteran – and they call him Eddie, like that's his kind of nickname. And we don't know if that's his actual uh-huh. name or because it's all speculation. Yeah. But it was, I remember going down there for practice and just like, you definitely get the feeling that you're not alone. But like, it sounds like more in an ominous way than, than let's say my museum ghosts, which are more curious than like mischievous or something else yeah it's very much i think at this point that hallway upstairs with the offices has just become their home Mm -hmm. and i think that they're just very protective of that and i don't know if they've 
renovated it since I've left because I know that there was a couple of renovations that were going to be made in that stadium area. Mm-hmm. But the Purple Mask Theater has been there for for years. And so I highly – and it's used still every semester. So I highly doubt they're taking out the theater. But it's it was definitely an unsettling experience my freshman year of college. Hello, lovelies. It's Dee here in post-production. It's been a minute since we've needed one of these, but I thought I'd update you, because I love it so much, that the Purple Mask has, in fact, undergone some renovations. So much so that it has moved from the east side of the stadium to the west side of the stadium. So that hallway, those rooms, no longer exist. So I kind of wonder if the place that is there now gets all of that activity that was there at the theater. And if the theater is now safe. But who knows? It is all still within a limestone building, you know, where all those natural energies hide. But either way, back to the regular scheduled programming. Yeah, no doubt. Which leads me to ask, I know in some theaters it's like a tradition to have a ghost light that isn't put out mm-hmm. in honor of, you know, those who were there before. Do you have something like that at the Purple Mask or did you? Yes, we, we had a ghost light. There was always a light that was aimed on the stage mm-hmm. every night. It was, and at that location specifically, it's like, you don't not turn on the light. Like, you have to leave that light on. Yeah. Ooky spooky. Ooky spooky. Oh gosh, it's like giving very Phantom of the Opera vibes, but a little bit <laughs> more of the Phantom piece, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd want to get, get like, uh, intimate with that ghost, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Would not recommend zero out of ten. <laughs> zero out of ten. <laughs> oh yeah, that is, that is creepy. That is creepy. Yeah. It's fun, though. There's there's almost ghosts for almost every part of campus. Like, Hale Library has a ghost story. Nichols Hall, which is the other theater area, mm-hmm. has a ghost story. Because Nichols Hall actually was burned down at one point oh. in its history. And the reason it was not totally destroyed and rebuilt, because it had to be completely gutted from the inside, Yikes. is that it's the iconic castle of K-State. Like, you, anyone who's oh. listening should look it up. It's literally got turrets. Like, it's really cool. Yeah, the turrets. It's all about the yeah. turrets. <laughs> I think that's what they're called, right? The little, like, the side round pieces with the little, like, I it looks so. like a castle. <laughs> I, You know what? I distinctly remember when I was in sixth grade and we were preparing for an architecture walking tour. And we had, a, I don't know, like, some lady either from, like, arts or architecture come in. And she was telling us about building structures and things like that. And we learned about the flying buttress. And all Ooh. of us were so jazzed about the flying buttress. <laughs> so Nice. <laughs> yeah, turrets and flying buttresses. <laughs> what about you? I can, I can go on forever. I don't need to go on forever about K-State. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like hearing about it. Um, my next choice on the list is Skinwalker Ranch. Ooh. And there have been a number of docu-series and documentaries, you know, and endless videos on YouTube that you can find out about Skinwalker Ranch who are going to give you the more expanded history of events and goings-on. But 
it has since become kind of a research facility. It used to be, I believe, for like ranchers, like cattle ranchers, and families did live there, but there was just so much strange stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And the location is such that it has roots in indigenous history. And according to Native American folklore, there is the entity, the Skinwalker. And it's kind of like what Voldemort is to Harry Potter. The Skinwalker <laughs> is a, the he who must not be named uh-huh. in indigenous traditions. And it's a very interesting creature because it is a very malicious one. You know, it was very male- uh, malevolent. And it's something like of a trickster. So if you think Loki from Nordic history, mm-hmm. and it can transform into like jackal, ki- uh, coyote, wolf. But like, there's always something off. And yeah. it's much, typically these animals are much larger than they would normally be. Yeah. And... You know, then, like, the skinwalker as its own monster, as its own thing. And at the ranch, it was both supernatural and paranormal phenomenon. So not just limited to ghosts and spirits, but allegedly, like, extraterrestrial beings, oh, yeah. all these weird lights, you know, cattle being found mutilated in these weird states, but, like, with this weird surgical precision and absolutely, like, drained of their blood and mm-hmm. gutted in like this meticulous manner and even i i heard stories of like the actual residents when people still lived on the ranch families lived on the ranch of you know waking up and having injuries and pinpricks that you know you you wouldn't do in your sleep or anything like that um so very suspicious circumstances but i'm i'm just so curious about something like this the fact that it is so isolated mm-hmm. and i believe it's somewhere in utah don't quote me on that i don't know why i didn't look it up as we were preparing but <laughs> so tribes have their own version of park rangers basically and yes yeah like sovereign states right and i there's a special on netflix so take it with massive piles of salt here but <laughs> <laughs> they interviewed some of the guys who work for the native park rangers for that area. And they hate getting calls to that, that location because like I it's bet. legitimately, there's always something there. It's either like you said, paranormal or extraterrestrial. Like there's a lot of flashing lights. I think there's a story also about a massive wolf in the area separate to yes. the see and here's the thing is i don't even like saying the word and that's why i laughed when you just like when you started it's like and here's this white girl just saying it (laughs) yeah all willy-nilly all willy-nilly but like it's a total entity onto itself is this massive wolf that like has been shot at and just keeps running like nothing brings it down yeah like the rasputin of (laughs) the native american folklore yeah and Anyone listening who who does belong to a tribe and, and everything, like, I'm not... This is me just being a total, like, ignorant person. I don't know <laughs> the terms. So, like, this is the closest thing I have to describe it. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure it's a ballpark, at least, <laughs> of what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I I don't know. If you could go there, would you go there? No. 
Absolutely oh, not. Oh, that was quick. Okay. <laughs> no, you could not pay me to go there. That is that is one place that I will respectfully keep my distance from. See, maybe I'm an idiot or something. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. But I would go if I wasn't by myself. That's the first condition. I'm not by myself, by my lonesome. And if I was with these experts, like people who actually knew what was going on and how to adequately deal with stuff, if I, the need arises. I see my, my one caveat to that is they can't be that much of an expert because experts wouldn't fucking go. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you're being paid good money to study this stuff. Uh, uh. And I'm, I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> just along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like Voldemort. Oh my god. Yeah, so that was my second selection of the list. Oh, shit. <laughs> How about you? What's next? Okay, I'm going to I've I put mine on a list. I'm skipping around because the last couple that I finally thought of are more interesting to me than the others. Uh-huh. And so I wanna bring up the Driscoll Hotel. So the Driscoll Hotel is located in Austin, Texas. And it was built in 1886 by, <laughs> by Jesse Driscoll, who is known, I put quotations around that, to still haunt the hotel to this day. And he has been seen and labeled as the cowboy. The Here's the thing about the Driscoll. <laughs> the Driscoll is supposedly the most haunted place in Texas. And Texas is a big place and has locations mm-hmm. like the Alamo. And yet the Driscoll is still seen as one of the most haunted locations. And it's still operational to this day. Yeah. Do you want to get into your brush with fate? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so my husband and I were going down to Austin for a convention a few years ago. This was before COVID happened. Like we were planning all of this the year before the shutdowns were happening. Mm-hmm. And I got us a room at the Driscoll because it's located in downtown. And the convention we were going to is also in downtown. That's where the convention center is. And so I was like, oh, this is such a beautiful hotel. Like, it's it's stunning. It's decently priced. And it's really old. And I just thought it'd be really cool because I just love old buildings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Then COVID happened and lockdowns happened and we weren't allowed to travel and the convention shut down that year. And so I Mm -hmm. gave up my rooms at the Driscoll and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And, you know, I think fate was like, bitch, maybe not. And I'm not saying (laughs) me picking rooms to stay at the Driscoll caused COVID, but there was definitely some cosmic entity probably saving my ass because Driscoll has some fucked up history. Get into it. So you have the cowboy, you have Jesse, who still haunts the area. And mm-hmm. apparently the hotel was built because he was just a very wealthy cattle rancher. But it's said that the way that he did business was a little ruthless, which is why he's so rich and was able to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know more than that. But the hotel itself is most famous for its room 525 or 525. Mm -hmm. What happened in that room is that on two separate occasions, years apart from each other, 
Jilted brides both took their lives in the same room. And not much is known of the first woman. They just know that they passed in the room and their understanding is that she was stood up at the altar, so her bow never showed up. And she killed herself in that room, un- unfortunately. And then in 1991, another woman was, again, left at the altar. The wedding was called off day of. And she was found the next day in the room, again, having decided that her life was no longer worth living. And the moral of that story is no one is worth dying over. (laughs) No, truly. I was actually, like, just holding my tongue. Like, honestly, his gift to you, you dodged a massive bullet. How about that? Go and live your life, girl. Right? I mean... It, it's probably yeah, no peen is worth dying over honestly <laughs> it's probably different in the victorian era one because unfortunately a lot of your freedoms had to come at the hand of a man but in the but 90s the second one yeah in the 90s straight up girl like it was said that she stole his credit card and went on a massive shopping spree before ending her life uh, like just keep going Yeah, you can't even enjoy those wares. Like, Spice Girls existed. You know, questionable movements in fashion. It was a good time. Right. And I, like, it's such a tragic event, and I want that to be very clear. But literally, don't be doing this shit. No one is worth you dying over. I promise you, your life is just as valuable and necessary. That's my caveat. The Driscoll is haunted. (laughs) In conclusion, it is haunted. And I I tried to look into some of the reports about it. You know, do people get touched? Mm -hmm. Are are there sightings? Whatever. I couldn't really find, like, exactly what happens there. But there's, like, 16 websites dedicated to the Driscoll. So clearly ghosts exist. They just don't have anyone interviewed for it, I guess. I mm, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But it's it really is a beautiful hotel. And I feel like one of these days, when I'm older, I would love to stay at, like, different haunted locations throughout the states. Just because it seems like, at least the old ones, because the buildings are just so beautiful that even if I woke up to a face hovering over mine, I'd still be like, the architecture, though, makes this worth it. <laughs> No, no, you wouldn't. Let me put your ass on blast for a minute. Okay. She won't go to the Skinwalker Ranch, no. but then she's like, if I wake up with a face over mine, it's all good because architecture. Listen, <laughs> I'm I'm fine with paranormal. I don't fuck with aliens, okay? Like, that is men and black. That's where you draw the that, line? That is a Not hard at, like, line. Grotesque looking ghosts no. or anything or demons. <laughs> Damn. Holy shit. No. Just when you thought you know a person. <laughs> listen, listen, the fact that, like, we're going to date the episode that the government has come out now and said that aliens exist. Like, we've been known. Like, we knew that a while ago. And that's why I'm like, no, I have no desire or aptitude <laughs> to fuck with that shit. You know what? That reminds me of two things, like government and aliens. One, when... What was it like within the last three years? People tried to storm Area 51. Oh my God, yeah. It was like January 6th, 
energy, <laughs> but at Area 51. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I would I would say only a very slight bit. Because they're taking over a, a government, you know, property. True, but Area but 51 it was, this time. was Naruto running versus guns. <laughs> like, Someone might have brought a gun. That's fair, is America. And Naruto ran, you know. <laughs> Or they're like Shirokan or something. Sure. Because it's possible. And the second bit was in the movie Scary Movie 3, Ooh. the president, played by Leslie Nielsen, who's fabulous, and it's such a shame he's gone, mm-hmm. but how he was telling his security card, played by Ja Rule, how there were aliens, and there was a mix-up at a in the kitchen of the White House during some like prominent <laughs> dinner with world leaders. And he's like... There may have been a body recovered. Um, <laughs> and it had like stuffing shoved up its ass. And then it was made into sandwiches the very next day. <laughs> so, All I remember uh, of the scary movies with aliens. And this needs to be like the last. But it's like the type of screw up that would happen, you know? And I'm like, I hope it didn't. I hope some alien is alive and well and doing its thing. And not yes. thinking of world domination, but. Yes, I was just going to say the only thing I remember of the scary movies with aliens is that they peed out their fingers. And that's it. Like, that's the one thing that's, like, stamped into my memory forever. Where you, like, oh, the convenience. So jealous. <laughs> Honestly. I was. Yeah. How nice. It's, like, the closest we ladies have is the she pee. Yes. Yeah. But out the finger, though. Even better. Yes. What about you? You're next on the list. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to keep on going about that one, but... <laughs> So if you're from the Midwest, when you think of, let's say, a state like Illinois, you think of two things. You think of Abraham Lincoln in Springfield and Chicago, even though Chicago is like the small blip in the whole state of Illinois. But for whatever reason, everyone's like Chicago. Yeah. And Chicago has a very interesting history. It has alleyways. Because it burned to the ground, so it didn't end up like New York, where you just throw your trash out onto the pavement. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of slaughterhouses by the river. So there's that huge meatpacking district and just overall kill zone. Mm-hmm. But Chicago has a rich history with gangsters, such mm. as Al Capone. Yeah. Um, and its cemeteries. So there's no shortage of ghosts, cemeteries in Chicago. One of the most famous being Resurrection Mary. So the story goes is that there was a woman who was hit by a car on a rainy night and left to die. And people who would drive by the cemetery on rainy nights would see a woman in a white dress. She would ask for a ride. And when they would pass the cemetery... She would disappear out of the car or ask to be stopped in front of the cemetery. And then it's like she would walk through the gates, you know, like the the ghost she is, the Mm. phantom she is. Yeah. And one story goes that she had gripped the bars and literally left burn marks of her hands, like the little creases of her fingers and everything in there. And I saw those bars. Yeah. And they do have the creases in there. Oh, what? I just got goosebumps. Yeah. And I got goosebumps talking about it, but like... It was, and I wish my computer didn't crash and I lost the photos, but I saw those bars and how distant colored they were. They were painted over, but it's literally like the 
the burns went through the paint anyway. And you could fully see every indent of skin where there would be a crease in the iron bars. It was really freaky. So that was in front of Resurrection Cemetery. So it goes to say within the city of Chicago and then on the outskirts, suburbs, surrounding suburbs and such, there's just a lot of fascinating cemeteries. Another one, Mount Carmel. It's a really well-known Italian cemetery. Mm -hmm. And it's actually where Al Capone and his family members are buried. Someone sometimes leaves uh, roses, a pack of cigarettes, coffee. There's also a young woman whose grave I had seen there um, who had died in childbirth. And her mom for six or seven years had dreams where it was her daughter saying, let me out, let me out. And she had finally gotten permission to have the body exhumed. And her body looked like she had just been asleep. Mm. The infant that had been tucked in her arm was decomposed, but the body itself, she looked just like Sleeping Beauty. Oh, wow. And what's so freaky is that there's a life-size sculpture of her in her wedding dress. And on the uh, gravestone where it has, like, the written piece, there's a photo of her. And you see the hole, the grave hole in the background. And you see the rotted infant where the infant would have been. But then you see this photo of just a sleeping woman, like peacefully sleeping. Oh, what? And they, you know, reburied her and stuff. And allegedly the mom never had dreams of her daughter since. But, you know, it's just really odd little things like that. It's a beautiful cemetery worth checking out. Yeah. Just to see, you know, the tombstones, the monuments and everything. There's another great cemetery, Graceland, and it has walking paths in it. It's like, take the family. It feels like between a park and a cemetery. Oh, beautiful. Because, yeah, and there's so many interesting structures there too, but one of the most notable statues is the Angel of Death. So it's like this giant hooded figure, and the sculpture itself has oxidized, so it looks green. Mm -hmm. But underneath the hood where it hasn't oxidized as much because of lack of exposure or less exposure... It almost looks like black tears, like the face is black. And allegedly, if you look it in the eye, you see your death or you die soon or someone that you know. But I've looked into its eyes a handful of times and nothing ain't happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) So either the sculpture is like, you know what, let's spare this person. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to waste my time. Or I don't know. When when you looked into this at the its eyes, how closely does that relate to the times you had your nightmares about the lady in the basement? Oh, this this happened years apart. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, yeah. now is there a correlation here? <laughs> correlation does not imply causation. Thank you so much. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, another interesting cemetery is Bachelor's Grove, and. Uh, A friend of mine and I had a tradition that on my birthday, they would take me to different cemeteries. And in one year, we hopped around three different cemeteries. (laughs) Oh, wow. One of which was Bachelor's Grove. And everybody was out there on that day. Everyone was out tonight. (laughs) Like people with freaking ghost radar and stuff like that. People also sitting on tombstones. And I'm like, you know what? I hope that if someone is there, some spirit, I hope they haunt your ass for eternity. Because... That's just so rude. You do not sit on people's tombstones or anything like that. Whether the body has been displaced or not, that was still their resting place at some point. Because some of the stones had sunk into the earth. Yeah. And 
there weren't very many left, but it's like, for the ones that are, why don't you just take care of them and be respectful of the space? Yeah. Because you, it's like across the way from a park and you have to go in the woods, like through the woods, through this path to like this boo-foo like little cemetery way in the back by like this creepy looking pond thing. And there was some shady people there, let me just say that. So I fully wouldn't be surprised if they're doing, like, weird (laughs) rituals there. Yeah. But, yeah, my friend and I didn't linger too much. And it was still early in the day, so the sun was out. And we were like, why is it popping here like this? Who knows? Yeah. When you take the G out of graveyard, you get the raveyard. And that's what that was that day. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I know, bad jokes. And... (laughs) I guess the last thing, because, I mean, you can go on and on about Chicago, but another thing worth checking out if you find yourself on the south side is the whole house, where allegedly the little, like, the Jane Addams whole house and uh, helping, you know, the poor and disenfranchised, but allegedly there was a devil baby in the attic. Okay. Yeah, and I parked by that building, and I totally forgot it was a thing. Uh-huh. And it was, like, one of those accidental, like, oh... And I was kind of underwhelmed because I was like, this place is small. I expected like some grand something, but it looks like a tiny house in the middle of a campus downtown. Okay. Yeah. So Chicago. 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 What's next on the list, D? Um, I've got, so I've still got two here, but I don't know if you want to maybe break this into two episodes. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Probably two episodes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, I I have to, like, do a little one-off here because I have been obsessed with the mob since I was a child. Don't know why. <laughs> no idea why. I have been, and I don't even want to say infatuated because that's not the right word, but the- I mean, <laughs> a little bit. The Italian- it feels right. <laughs> yes, the Italian Enamored mafia. by the mob. Yes, I've, like, I wrote- biography like when in in grade school i remember this in grade school we had to like in fifth grade pick a historical person and write about them i chose al capone uh, multiple times like i don't he's know a thug. he's like literally a murderer I know. And I just, for some reason, I was so, and it, like, specifically the Chicago mob, like, I was just, I thought it was. Is the best mob. So the only mob of my heart. Interesting. <laughs> and I've been to the Mafia Museum in Las Vegas, and it was, like, the best day of my life. It was so much fun. And that is so twisted. <laughs> I don't know why. Did you go to the Zach Bagans Museum? Oh, God, no. In Las Vegas? No, no, no. Oh, come on. Oh, I almost closed you. <laughs> like yanked on my headphones. Listener S tried to just yeet me into her lap. It's not gonna happen. I was gonna like like a click, you know the click phone, or click what do you call phone. that? Like what's the old cell phones where they like click? Oh, like a like a flip phone. A flip phone. <laughs> yeah, the click phone. God, I sound like such you're a just, boomer. You're just giving me claw hands. Like, you know, this motion. Like, what the fuck are you Yeah, doing? and, like, because I'm on... I have a tablet, you know, instead of, like, a desktop, I yeah. was just gonna go, like... Oh, click. okay. Gotcha. Conversation <laughs> over. It would log me off completely. Uh, but, but, anywho. No, Chicago has so many 
it's, it's there's such a rich history in that town, and I think that you could absolutely have your a whole episode dedicated to the the different hauntings of Chicago. Yeah, uh, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you about my neighbor, right? She met Al Capone? Yeah, you did. When she was a child? Yeah, yeah. So, I, my initial reaction is like, that's so cool. It's not cool. It's not safe. Yo, listen, where I currently live now, there used to be a huge red light district that existed until like the last 60, 70 years. So not distant past. And this is where Al Capone contracted syphilis. That's our claim to fame here. Yeah, real talk. (laughs) I think we should wrap this up here. And that is that is three of our top five haunted locations. In the world, because I think that we've got some on our list that that exists outside of America, and yeah, we're going international. So, so please stay tuned to our our next episode where we finally talk about our our last two places a piece, and then we'll probably go off on some kind of tangents <laughs> about honorable mentions or or what have you. Yeah, <laughs> but. With that being said, thank you everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, shout us out into the universe, and send us to your friends. Tell them that we are awesome and worth listening to. We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Take care, everyone. Up from the heathens, got will, got fight, got pride, got reason. If they want to go, we think you know I'm going to feed them. If you're coming for me, hope